You're listening to the weekly podcast by Forest Hill Church. Here you'll find a place to grow in your faith, get to know what the Bible's all about, and hear what it looks like to follow Christ. To watch our services live or find the campus nearest you, visit foresthill.org. If you're a parent, search for our new Forest Hill Parenting Podcast and subscribe to get new content tailored just for you. Well, Merry Christmas. Or am I a little too late for that? I might be too late for that. Well, okay. But you know, I saw on December 26, as I was flipping through the channels, they had Happy New Year, Charlie Brown. One day after Christmas, it's almost like once those gifts are open and given or received and all the food is eaten and put in the refrigerator for leftovers, that holiday itself is kind of like a little bit in the past. And believe me, we want you to be wonderstruck by what Christmas means and God come to earth and to take that with you throughout the year. But that holiday itself, it almost seems to end like by nighttime on December 25th. And that's great, and it's a great memory. But then all of a sudden, in the last few days, we're faced with this new kind of moment, event, turning of the calendar, something new in our lives. But if you're like me, I'm not quite ready to say Happy New Year quite yet. I'm still enjoying the cakes and the cookies, and I'm not ready to eat broccoli and cauliflower until January 2nd. So we've got this amazing, great event that happens over here Christmas, but that's kind of a little bit in the past now. Now that we're at four days removed from that on December 29th, and we're not yet in the new year. So this date, I've been kind of philosophically thinking about December 29th and what it means. It's neither here in the past or in the future. It's just kind of in between, kind of like this row here, in between, right in the middle. And I've also been thinking about it in terms of life. Sometimes we have these great things that have happened in the past and we remember them and we're so grateful for them, but we also have an event, a big thing that's going to happen in our life, a moment we know is coming, but for the moment we exist right in the in-between. Friends, I think we're going to spend a lot of our life, a lot of time in the in-between. And whether maybe you're focused on the past or you're in the moment Or maybe today you come and you're in the in-between. Let me ask you a question. If you're in the in-between, are you all in in the in-between? Are you all in in the in-between? Because if we're going to live a lot of our lives in the in-between, don't we need to live it to the full? And what I'll look at today through two characters is that they lived their life in the in-between. And they had a moment. They had a moment worthy of putting in Luke's gospel their moment in time, but because of the way they lived in the in-between between their time of knowing it was coming and their moment made all the difference in their life, made all the difference in how they lived that moment. So listen, I don't mean to discount Christmas this morning. I hope it was wonderful for you. I hope you got all the gifts that you wanted appropriate gifts, timely gifts, everything you wanted in Christmas. You know, we teach our kids, though, no matter what the gift is, just look at the intent of how it was given. Because sometimes, and even myself, I give a gift and it's not right on the mark. And it's not timely. It reminds me of two guys in England I just read about recently. Freddie and Eddie. 
Freddie and Eddie of England. And they were big Chelsea soccer Premier League fans. I don't know if you guys watch the Premier League that much. I don't personally. I don't understand a sport you got to watch for three hours and it scores less than baseball. But these guys loved Chelsea and they had season tickets and they were rabid fans. And so they would go to the games and they would sit at every game. But the first game of the year, they noticed that the stadium was full except for the seat right beside them, seat 14A. It was vacant in the first game. And they're like, this is very odd. But okay, maybe the person was sick. So the next game comes along, 14A, vacant. The next game, 14A, vacant. They go five or six games and they're like, this is a travesty. No one should leave a vacant seat at a Chelsea soccer game. So you know what we're going to do? We love our friend Nettie, Freddie, Eddie, and Nettie. They love their friend Nettie. And so they're going to go to the ticket office and say, hey, this seat apparently is open. Can we buy season tickets for our friend Nettie? So they go to the ticket office and the lady's like, no, we don't have any tickets. And I would do an English accent, but this accent will not travel that far. <laughs> so they say to the lady, can we have them? She's like, no, that ticket has been purchased. And they're like, that, that cannot be. Who in their right mind would leave this seat vacant? So they go a few more games, and then it becomes the day after Christmas. And lo and behold, there is a gentleman sitting in seat 14A. And they're so curious, and they haven't worked up their courage, but by the end of the game, they're like, we have to ask him. And they're like, dude, where have you been for half the season? And he's like, don't ask. My wife actually bought him this summer, but she wanted to wait till Christmas to surprise me. <laughs> Nancy, I'm sorry if the gifts weren't timely from time to time, or maybe you had that experience. But in any regard, just, chat, just cherish that. I also have a New Year's joke, if I can share that with you now. Someone recently asked me, hey, Steve, what do you see in the new year? And I'm like, I don't know what I see. I don't have 20-20 vision. <laughs> I, got, I get that reaction at every service. <laughs> You're going to hear a lot of 20-20 jokes. But as we live in the in-between, as we take those moments... Moments that we see biblical characters have. Abraham and Sarah were promised a child, Isaac, but they had to wait decades before that child came to fruition. The Israelites spent 400 years in bondage and then they got out and they thought they were going to their paradise, the promised land filled with milk and honey, and they messed up and God said, nope, you're going to need to wait in the in-between in the wilderness before the next generation sees that place. And Simeon and Anna... We're going to have a moment, a moment that is in the Bible, but they had to wait in the in-between. And we see a man and a lady who shows us three key principles that we should take that will help us thrive in the in-between. They are presence, patience, and perseverance. Presence, patience, and perseverance. And the first one I want to talk about is presence. Hall and Oates in the 1990s wrote a song called So Close. It says, the chorus says, so close yet so far away. So close yet so far away. We believe in tomorrow, maybe more than today. Sometimes we believe in tomorrow more than living in this present moment that we have. And Simeon, although he's noted for that moment, lived in the present moment. And here's how we know that. In verse 25, this is the first description we have of Simeon. It said, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. 
And this man was righteous and devout. Remember that, righteous and devout. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Here's the first description of Simeon. Not his profession, not where he came from as in his ancestry, nothing else except for he was righteous and devout. Friends, you don't live a descriptive life of righteous and devout unless you're living in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the verse includes he, the Holy Spirit was in him. That was what was giving him power. But he was living in that presence every day so that he was defined as righteous and devout. And here's what's more amazing. Hardly any at that point in history, in the history of Israel, could be called righteous and devout. You don't see this described for the Pharisees and Sadducees. By the time Jesus ends his ministry, there is only 100 people that could be considered righteous and devout. So this man was known as righteous and devout because he spent his life in the presence of trying to live with the Holy Spirit and being righteous and devout. And here's what's even more amazing. He knew his moment was coming. For some of us, we kind of know that moment's coming. We know that event is coming. And we just kind of bide our time. If you're like me, you're like, this is going to define me. This is going to be the pinnacle. I'm going to get here. Christmas Day is going to get here. And I'm just trying to exist day to day. And so I'm not going to put my heart into this day. And that's not the way Simeon lived because he knew an amazing moment was coming. In verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Christ. For 800 years, the people of Israel knew that someone was coming that was going to bring glory to their land. They had been captured and exiled, oppressed by governments, oppressed by the Roman government during this time, and they were waiting century after century, many priests and prophets, but they didn't know when the day was going to come. But this man, this righteous and devout man, knew that sometime within his lifetime, before he died, he was going to have a moment like no one else had had for 800 years. His moment was well-defined, but that didn't stop him. For in the in-between, being present. And because he was present, he was actually able to recognize that moment. See, friends, when we don't live in the present moment, sometimes that moment comes and we don't even know that we're in that moment. So I encourage you today, yeah, that thing is coming, but live right now in the presence. And here's how we know that he recognized his moment. In verse 29, it says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people, Israel. He recognized what was happening in that moment. And here's what is amazing about this. If you really look close at this scripture, you say, okay, he recognized it. Who wouldn't have recognized it? There is nothing in this scripture that says when Mary and Joseph brings Jesus into the temple, they are bringing the Messiah. There's no trumpets blaring. There's no announcement by the parents. As a matter of fact, they come in the most humblest of means. Let me give you some context for what is happening in this scene. It's been 40 days since Jesus was born. And according to Jewish custom, Jewish law, the lady comes and they do a purification ceremony and a dedication of the child 40, year, 40 days after the child is born. 
And so they come in, and it is customary to bring an animal to sacrifice. If you are rich, you bring a big, beautiful lamb to sacrifice. But remember that God brings Christ into this world in the most humblest, the meager of circumstances. And so all they can afford is two turtle doves or two pigeons. We're not sure, but they bring in these birds. And so when you see that, would anyone suspect that this is the promised Messiah, the eternal king, the Emmanuel, the God be with us. No one would know that because you would have expected a large animal to come in. And so no one is suspecting that this child is the one. But it says that the Holy Spirit, remember that Holy Spirit that is in Simeon, that he's present with every day because he's exercising that presence and he knows that presence, that the Holy Spirit tells him, this is the one. This is the one. This is the moment. You see how it works when you're living in the in-between, in the presence every day, enjoying what God gives you? You know when that moment comes that it is the moment. I don't know how many of you watched The Crown. It is a show about Queen Elizabeth and her ascension to the throne and then various events in her life. It's a great show. I don't necessarily endorse it. There's parts I wish they would leave out. But they include that anyway. But this is an amazing story about Queen Elizabeth. But the episode I'm thinking about is Prince Philip. Prince Philip is the Prince of Edinburgh. And he is married to Queen Elizabeth. And the scene is later in his life. And he lived a distinguished military career. But he's later in his life and he's wondering to himself, have I accomplished anything in life except being married to Queen Elizabeth? Have I really done anything? And as a matter of fact, he begins to lose his faith in God. And he's very critical of the bishops and the priests. And he's like, you guys are wasting your time. I'm a man of action. But he's trying to figure out what that action is that makes his life meaningful. And then the year 1969 comes along. And we celebrated that event uh, 50 years ago of what happened in this year. That was the first moonwalk by USA astronauts. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, Michael Collins, brave men. But the Brits and the, entire, the whole entire world was just enthralled with what was going on. We were actually, the human race was sending people outside of Earth's orbit to the moon. And the British people were just so enthralled with this, and the royal family included, but Prince Philip was just mesmerized, but he was obsessed with it. So the British family is watching it, watching it at 11 o'clock, they all go to bed, and then for the rest of the night, for night after night, as long as these events are going on, he's watching it intently. Every little boring detail of turning knobs and taking steps to get to the moon, and he just can't believe it. And he's like, there's something in this. There's something about this event that is metaphysical beyond us that maybe defines life. And so the astronauts come back and they get to go to Buckingham Palace to visit the queen. And Prince Philip says, I just want a meeting with them for 15 minutes to talk about what it was. And see, he was a pilot. And so you would have thought his questions would have been, hey, astronauts, what did it feel like for the G-forces to hit you? Or what was it like for the launch angle? Or how did you actually get the plane to get down to the, or all these kind of technical questions. And as a matter of fact, he couldn't think of one. All he wanted to know was what did it mean? How did it change your life? But his words were, what was your perspective? And the astronauts heard those questions. And they kind of 
were taken aback. And they didn't understand. And they thought about it a little bit and they said, well, okay, we're pilots and astronauts and our main job is to follow protocol and to get through our list. And by golly, that's what we did. We got through the list and that's really what we were focused on is just getting through the list. But you know what? No, no, something special happened. Uh, Neil was trying to sleep and the water cooler started to rattle. And we thought, how funny that the engineers couldn't even fix the water cooler, but they got us to the moon. Oh yeah, that was the special moment. And even though Neil Armstrong said these amazing words, and listen, their bravery was something. I, I get nervous taking off at the airport. So what they did was amazing. But it hit Philip. They got to the moon. They had their moment. And deep within their soul, they missed it. And he told that to Queen Elizabeth. He's like, they missed it. And it changed him. He then began to support priests and bishops and set up a, a place where they could come for a retreat. And he went to them and said, I think you guys know what the meaning of life is. Help me. Because in my moment in the in-between and when we get to our moments, will we recognize that as our moment and not miss it? Parents, I can relate to what you go through. I have a son here today, Zach, and my daughter's in Massachusetts, Michaela. My parents are here too, and I appreciate their attendance. But as you are raising your kids, you know what happens a lot of times? The task just kind of over, overwhelm you. All you want them to do is to be able to walk and then to talk and then to use the bathroom by themselves and then to read and then to go to school, and then to go to good education, or go to trade school, or whatever the case is, and get out and get a job, and get off the payroll. That's what you want as a parent. And then you're like, yes, they are over the goal line. Freedom. Would you take every moment and cherish it? Every struggle, every step, every bite, all the food on the floor, all the mess they make, would you cherish that moment that God has given you? Because when you cherish that moment, you will make an impact. And here's another thing, an amazing thing that Simeon does because he lives all in, righteous and devout in the in-between, and he recognizes his moment. And at that moment, he blesses Mary. Because in verse 33, they hear these words that Simeon says about the revelation that this man is. And here's what it says. It says, and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Now, we read that and we're like, okay, man, they, they were pretty impressed with Simeon. No, they marveled at what was said about their son and realized where they had been over this last 40 days. They had saw a virgin give birth. They had saw angels talk to them both. They had seen wise men come from far away bringing these elaborate, amazing gifts. They had seen shepherds come out of the field for no reason except for an angel told them to do it. They saw a celestial star come out of nowhere and be the brightest star of all. They had seen all that. And this man gave them an incredibly encouraging message that said, this is the one. He will bring glory to Israel and revelation to the whole world, even the Gentiles. 
Could you be in that moment so that you can perceive the need of your neighbor or your family member? Too many times in life we are in the presence of something else or just biding our time, not recognizing this is the moment where we can talk light into someone. And let me encourage you to do that today. His parents marveled at what was said. And then he goes on to tell Mary, but this is going to be tough. And I think those words of encouragement actually prepared her for a life that would be tough because he would come in and separate the believers from the non-believers. He would be the sword that would divide. And that indeed would be a hard life. But let me not be disingenuous with you. Be present in your moment. Be present in the in-between. But also know that you're going to wait. In verse 25, it says that Simeon was righteous and devout, but he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. In verse 38, Anna, she came into the temple and began to praise God and to speak to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. You see, here's the fact about it. We're going to wait. And sometimes we see a little thing on a computer screen come up. And what happens? We're like, oh, no. We're not going to be able to download the app in time to make the conference call. We're not going to be able to download the discount coupon to get the gift on time. Oh, this thing is never going to work again. And we get nervous. You know what tells me we're, we're bad at waiting is the U-scan. Y'all know about the U-scan, the self-checkout? Not, I get this blank stare at every sermon. It's the self-checkout. It's the self-checkout that tells me we're bad at waiting because we know what we're getting when we wait in the regular line. So you go to one line, it's three carts. You go to another line, it's a lot of kids. You go to another line, it's only one cart, but it's like the world record of filling up a cart. And you think to yourself judgmentally, I would never buy the stuff in that cart anyway. So you get this great idea. I'm going to go to the U-scan or the self-checkout. Right? And so you go over there and you do the self-checkout and you're standing there in this shorter line, maybe not shorter line, and you're noticing something. This technology has been out there for 15 years and people are like, wait, I can actually scan this stuff myself? You're like, hurry up, get, up, get on with it. And so what happens when you go up there, you have the barcode clearly on your cereal, right? I mean, you're not, you've got, not got some extravagant vegetable. That barcode is clearly there. And so you go up there and you swipe it. And, and before I say this, let me say, I love the people at Harris Teeter. They are better people than me. They really are. They, they're so patient and kind. And did you find everything you need? They, they turn my day better just by interacting with them. So I shouldn't go to the U-Scan. But you do the U-Scan and you do the barcode and what happens? call the attendant. And you're like, I, I came here not to have a human interaction. I wanted to just get through this quickly. <laughs> call the attendant. The poor attendant's the most multitask person in the grocery store. She's having to go back there and put the gum away. And you're like, oh, now come on, can you help me scan my cereal? We're bad at waiting. But you know what God says? He says, wait for me. He says, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And you say to me, thanks. I, I get it, Steve, to wait for the Lord, but what does that mean? Here's what it means. That word kavar, that word wait means kavar in Hebrew, and it literally means to bind together. It doesn't mean just wait idly for the Lord to come and do something. It means to be with him in the waiting. 
Do you know what kind of perspective that will give you when you consider the eternal perspective he has? The peace, the love like you don't know with anybody, what that means when you, be, when you are bound together with God, it puts perspective on that waiting. And listen, I don't mean to discount what you're waiting on. You're waiting to get out of that job you can't stand to get to a better job. You, you need that recruiter to call you right now or you're going to come out of your skin. You're waiting for that relationship for many years that you think is the right relationship. And God, I've been patient until that comes. You're waiting for that child that you can dedicate, for that child of your very own. And he's saying to get a perspective, would you wait for me? Because then you will renew your strength. Because you will need your strength and many times in life, because I can't sugarcoat this, many times as you're waiting for your moment, you will have to persevere. There will be trials in your life. And I tried to think of a better story other than the one in the text, but this is the best one, Anna. Anna was a young girl. Her life in front of her, married at a young age as a virgin, had dreams probably of having kids and serving as her proper place in the community. And then seven short years after she's married, her husband dies. And she's probably like many humans. She's like, what am I going to do now? Am I going to get married again? Am I going to get a different job? What am I going to do in the community? And she says, well, all I need to do is wait on the Lord to pray and to fast. And she does this until she's 84 years old, waiting, persevering with the Lord. Here's what Paul tells us about perseverance in Romans 5, 35. He says, we also exalt in our tribulations. That also means he's referring to the verses before that says we have faith and we rejoice in that faith given to us. But not only that, we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope. And hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. Here's what proven character perseverance will give us. It'll give us hope. And I believe that Anna went through that persevering time in her life to be brought to the greatest moment she would ever know, that hope of announcing to everyone there to affirm what Simeon had said and throughout that temple that the Messiah has come. That the one who can give hope has come. You see that word hope? It's one of those words you can use as a verb or a noun. And today, I want to give you a noun. I want to give you hope. But it's not I that give it to you. It is the one who was born in Galilee. He is the master of the in-between. He came to persevere for you. He came in the in-between, literally between heaven and hell. He came in the in-between between people who don't want God and want their own way to a God that wants them so bad that he would come and build a bridge to be in-between so that we can get to our moment. He came in between living in glory not a care in the world, to this squalor of this earth to one day rule as eternal king. He came in this, to this earth in the in-between to be patient with his disciples, to be present with people, to see their needs, to heal them. And he came to persevere in the in-between between two criminals who deserve to die 
but he was innocent. He came to persevere to give you hope. Hope that will allow you to be present in the in-between. Hope that will allow you to be patient and to wait for him to bring you life in the in-between. Hope that will give you perseverance though trials may come that will give you peace and joy and relationship with God. Jesus is the master of the in-between. He's the master of the past and the in-between and the moment to come, that glorious moment that we will have with him for eternity. I ask you today, if you don't know this man from Galilee, the one that came in the in-between, would you give your life to him so that every moment of your life has real meaning and purpose as you spend it with the great I am. And if you do know him, would you commit this new year to be present in the in-between and present in your moments? Would you know today the one that gives us hope for patience, presence, and perseverance? And to him forever will be the glory. Amen. Would you pray with me now? Lord, thank you. Praise to you, Emmanuel, God with us, that you came in truth and revelation for all of us, for Gentiles and Jews alike, to bring us life, to bring us life at every moment of life in the past, in the in-between, and in those great moments of life. And this next year, Lord, would you be so present in us that we would be found righteous and devout and find our life in that. Lord, thank you for every soul that is here today. Be with them in the new year. Inspire them. Make them realize that you have made them to be special, uniquely the way they are, and that you can use them in their in-between. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.